Welcome to the East Main Podcast. I am your host, Brian Brodeur. This episode features part one of my 90-minute conversation with Piers Plaskett, former CEO of Solid State Logic. SSL is one of the world's leading recording console manufacturers, and their equipment can be found in major studios across the globe. Whether you realize it or not, you have heard music recorded or mixed on an SSL console. Originally from England, Piers recently became an American citizen, and he's now based in Iowa. We spoke via Zoom about the history of SSL, and specifically about his years at the company, which included working for SSL's latest owner, Peter Gabriel. Piers shares a number of insider anecdotes, and we talk about the passion that recording professionals have about working in the industry. So without further ado, here's part one of my conversation with former CEO of Solid State Logic, Piers Plaskett. Well, I am thrilled to be joined by Piers Plaskett, audio industry executive, a mentor to many. Piers, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, welcome, Brian. I really appreciate the invitation. It's a, it's a thrill to virtually move out of Iowa on this cold and windy day. Well, there you go. There's the beginning of our conversation. So you are in Iowa. Many people would think, well, listen, you know, experienced audio industry executive, you're in London or New York or LA, but you're in Iowa. Tell me what's going on out there. <laughs> well, almost nothing from a pro audio perspective, but a standard of living um, that really attracted me to this area of the country. I mean, I over my career, I have traveled extensively and um, moved here in the early 2000s. And I, I sort of refer to it as my oasis of sanity. It's also a very low impact point in terms of uh, moving uh, into the transportation network. Uh, I'm on a first name basis with the TSA agents and uh, at, uh, at DSM. So it's, it's, a, it's a lovely place to live. That, that's interesting. It's a, that's a very good point. You know, all of those support elements that can be a huge hassle when you're flying out of LaGuardia or something here in the New York area. And, and you get a little bit more of a, a personal or lighter touch, you know, out there. It's yeah. I mean, certainly there it's as, as secure as, as any, any good airport, but um, you know, I haven't flown much this year, like most normal people. Yeah. Uh, but uh but yeah, it's 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 good. And when we moved here, we had young uh, younger kids and very very good school system. That begs the question, of course. You know, I hope you and your family are doing well through the pandemic. We are. We are speaking in January of 2021, so we've had a good nine ten months of dealing with this. Yep. Would you mind sharing with me how you experienced COVID nineteen? in Iowa, mm. you know, because certainly we had the first wave of it here in, New, in northern New Jersey. Tell me how that unfolded for you, please. Rather alarmingly, the month of, of, of January of, of 2020, uh, I took my two daughters to uh, uh, the country of Belize, where we uh, really had a, a wonderful time. I was uh, consulting on a project there, and it was a very low-key thing, and it... Uh, it allowed me to bring my my daughters along, and of course January there was sort of a glimmer of this happening, and uh, 
I remember when we sort of flew into, uh, I guess it was Dallas um, at the end of January, and there was this sort of darker cloud on the horizon. And um, the kids and I joked and said, well, yeah, what if there's a pandemic and we had to stay in Belize for six months? Um, uh, I don't know how that would have um, played out. But you know, when we made it back to Iowa, uh, like many places in, in the country, it was March-ish, uh, where people started to be concerned about it. Uh, this is a very red state here and slow to put any kind of uh, mandates in, in place. We've had varying levels of lockdown, but no mask mandates or anything like that. Right. Our family practices uh, social distancing and mask wearing at all times. And and you know we sort of watch in despair as as certain parts of um, our government just don't there is of course light at the end of the tunnel which we can all be thankful for but we're you know a year from now it's still going to be going on being of the slightly older generation i guess i'll get a vaccine in the next three four months or something but it has not been great yeah Again, I, I'm I'm happy that you and, and yours are well. Thank you. Uh, and certainly staying safe. You know, one of the silver linings, it, it, it's allowed media professionals like ourselves to be able to connect like this and create mm -hmm. content and, and engage. And uh, normally, you know, you and I might run into each other at something like an AES convention or the NAM show or these kind of organizational mm -hmm. things. But we generally wouldn't push to talk you know, by Zoom or, or sort of connect this way, but now it's become very commonplace. So yeah. I want to jump right into uh, what many people know of you and know you as, which is the former chief executive of Solid State Logic, or SSL, as a lot of people say. Outside of the audio industry, people may not necessarily know what SSL or Solid State Logic does, but uh, to keep it simple, it's world-class leading recording equipment and specifically consoles they're known for recording consoles or mixing desks. And uh, you led that company for a number of years. And would you give me a layman's explanation? This is kind of the, uh, you bump into somebody, oh, what is solid state logic? I'd like you to explain that and then go further and tell me you know, what your time with the company was like and what you accomplished? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump between the two. I mean, I, I worked for uh, SSL on two separate occasions. Um, the first was uh, through uh, the late 90s, and the second um, uh, was when Peter Gabriel purchased the company in 2005. And right. I mean, SSL um, you know, began as a manufacturer of control systems for cathedral pipe organs of, of all things. The switching system um, that was the core of, of that became uh, inspiration uh, to the founder, Colin Sanders, for uh, switching within a, a large format audio console. And so almost by accident, got into the uh, console business in the sort of late 70s, early 80s. You know, initially focused on the on the music business, um, the uh, BBC came to us and said, "We we like your consoles and do a couple of things, and we could probably use them for television." And we did that, and so the company evolved 
during my sort of first tenure, primarily around the large format audio consoles. It's really, if you listen to any pop music anywhere in the world, a good chance that a good chunk of what you're listening to will have passed through one or or more of our devices. It's it's, uh, the kind of company that within the industry, you can be very sort of proud to work for. It's the reaction from most people that I meet is, oh, wow, you work for SSL. That's really cool. And guess what? It is. It was. We joined in in, in 2005 when Peter bought the company. And uh, I remember the first board meeting with Peter. And this is not a kind of thing you would necessarily hear from an investor. Uh, he said, make cool stuff and have fun doing it. And by the way, return me some 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 profit when you can get around to that. You know, having Peter in board meetings was uh, <laughs> was wonderful because that thing called the agenda got sort of torn up and thrown away, and uh, and he would hijack the conversation, and we would talk about all kinds of technology and a great inspiration, both um, uh, as a as a human being and as a as a technologist, and a wonderful humanitarian, sure, and great musician. So I want to jump in there for a second. I I, I want to sort of wrap up a few. Uh, to give some context, I guess, you know, I, I want to come back to Peter Gabriel, dig in, dig into his involvement in the second. That's interesting. Um, SSL, uh, for short, solid state logic. Um, so many recording studios across the world, world-class recording studios, where to, to your point, you know, the majority of these pop music hits are mixed and recorded have these consoles in them. And, and again, mm-hmm. for, for the layman's audience, you know, this is a, a, record, a mixing console, you know, with faders and an engineer sitting at it, working with producers and artists behind the glass. So I'm going to quickly name drop, you know, a number of studios that people would know, right. That have, I mean, almost all major studios in a way, but the you know power station in uh, New York city, which became avatar and is now uh, rebirthing as power station, by Berkeley College of Music, um, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Clearmountain, world-class engineer, mix engineer, you know, worked there for years and is, is well known to use SSL, you know, as his uh, console of choice. Uh, certainly Peter Gabriel's real world has a wonderful U-shaped large format console. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, the record plant uh, in LA where I was fortunate to do some work uh, we had a wonderful, uh, I think it was a 9,000 desk and, uh, also the castle in, uh, in outside of Nashville, uh, where we worked with Keith Urban, beautiful, sure. smaller format, but really great SSL room. The list goes on and on. Mm. So I want to dig into Peter for a second. Am I correct that, you know, he chose you is how did that go down? I heard your phone rang. That's the story I heard. Well, yes, we'd moved to Iowa and I had decided that I had finished with the pro audio business and decided rather insanely to get into uh, the restaurant business, which is a story in itself. We're going to come back to that. I can't wait to talk about that. (laughs) And the phone rang um, uh, one day and it was um, a guy I used to work with at um, Solid State Logic saying, I represent an investor who is thinking about buying Solid State Logic. Would you review some financial information and offer your advice about the company and the marketplace and so forth. And I'm like, okay, 
because everybody was under NDA, names couldn't be mentioned for a while. But as things heated up, it became evident it was Peter. And uh, so I flew to England and we all sat down with Peter and talked about our vision for the company. And I maybe had met him briefly in the past. I mean, as a, he was a, a customer, obviously. Yeah. And one of our chief techs who went uh, to install the console at, at his facility ended up becoming his business manager. Oh. And Peter, you know, I didn't really know much about him outside of his music, but owned a number of different businesses, usually things that he knew something about. So, you know, it's not going to win invest in self-driving cars, but an audio console company was something that he could get his arms around and also something that he felt that he could um, you know, contribute to. And so that was you know, back in 2005 and mm. golly gee, we, it was quite a roller coaster between there and the end of uh, 19 when I left the company. If you don't mind, you know, uh, this is somewhat of an indulgent question, but I know that you know, my audience will want to, my audience will want me to ask you this, which is, can you tell me what Peter's like? You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, well, you know, he, he tears up the agenda in a boardroom, but you know, he is, I mean, he is a humanitarian, you know, but, but he's super creative force, you know? And if you look at the timing of what you're talking about, 2005, that's, I guess, 20 years on from his, so album, which just sold millions of copies yep. and, yep. Uh, and, and certainly launched him into another stratosphere of not just artistry, but financially too. Um, right. So would you, would you mind unpacking that a little bit? You know, tell me what it, it was like working with him. I guess if I was to pick, you know, one or, or two words to describe Peter, the, f the first would be generous. Generous with himself generous with the way that he interacted with other people i'm an employee i'm not not a you know and an a friend um, yeah. um uh, i went to a sound check for one of his con concerts in chicago um and i'm way back by the front of house the stadium's empty of course this was on his uh, tour with uh, sting and i'm just sort of minding my own business and then I hear him ask the front of house guy, is that Piers? I'm like, how, you know, can he recognize me, you know, half a mile away? And um, the guy says, yes. And I thought, you know, that was it. And then, you know, Sting was working on a number and I see Peter come down off the stage and walking up to front of house. And I can only assume that he is coming up to have a private conversation with the front of house engineer. Sure. But he walks by that guy and comes up to me and gives me you know, sort of a gigantic hug. And I'm like, he was like, oh, you know, so glad you're here. And uh, you have anybody else with you? And I said, well, you know, my daughter's just over there. And he went over and said hello to them. And, you know, this is not something that he needed to do. Right. Um, uh, but I just sort of felt, um, you know, like really acknowledged. And, to take it further, at the end of the sound check, again, we're just hanging out with um, the front of house guy. Um, and Peter comes out from backstage and says, come back and eat with us. And um, okay. Went back at an amazing buffet, sat down and ate with him, me, my daughter, um, and a couple of other SSL guys. And 
you just sat there and had a conversation. Yeah, hanging out. Yeah, and none of it forced and all of it just making you feel like, yeah, this guy's amazing. Right. And, and you know, this is really why I ask the question because fame and the music industry, it so much puts people on pedestals. And mm-hmm. I'm often sensitive of asking questions not as asking as is like the fan or the, the, the fanboy, the geek world. It's really to humanize people and to ask, look, I've never met Peter Gabriel. I met Sting once in passing, but you know, you actually know these people. <laughs> and so I, I like to ask these questions to sort of humanize them and, and to, to hear these stories. It's interesting. And it's interesting to everybody. You know, you mentioned Sting, another SSL customer and having built his, I think he calls it Lake House or his his portable studio and, and that he can Oh yes, 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 yes. Done a bunch of projects with that, 10 Summoners Tales and on and on. So yeah. these stories all interconnect and and that's all fascinating stuff. A quick, slightly relevant uh, tangent. Please. Two other examples, one named and one unnamed. Uh, the unnamed one, I'm sitting in a studio representing solid state logic, specifying a console that's going to go into this uh, new facility. And I'm talking to um, attorneys who have absolutely no idea what they're buying. But every now and then one of them leaves and comes back with an answer and so forth. And it, it turns out that the owners of the studio are actually in the room next door picking out tile for their beach house or, you know, flooring tile. Fair enough. Okay. So that's sort of one. The, the other example, um, Brian Adams, um, worked with him on, on, on several projects. And, you know, Brian would pick up the phone and say, uh, A, this is what I want. And B, I want a better deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. he, you know, immersed himself into, you know, the acquisition uh, process, which mm. is probably the, the, the other extreme. And again, an incredibly generous individual um, uh, this was, you know, around the time of the, uh, you know, everything I do, I do it for you. Um, Robin hood thing. And, uh, giant hits, huge hits again, back to Bob Clearmountain. That's a power station story, that first record. And, 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 and it's interesting, very involved in, in that business aspect. Yeah. And, and, you know, getting to hear summer of 69 live and then going backstage and spending time with him. It's like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah. I have, I have a big picture question for you, Mm. you know, audio and music industry, specifically the audio equipment or the studio business is a particular lane. You know, it's a particular, you know, facet of the music business specifically and, and the broader entertainment business. So many people will ask me how and why is the music industry different from regular business, you know, like traditional, you know, blue chip business. And they'll say, you know, that just seems to be kind of looser. How do I put it? You know, that they're more scoundrels in the music business. And, you know, sometimes I I answer that a particular way, but I want to tee up that idea. Mm. So I want to pose that question to you. You know, it's like, what's your view about how the audio industry or the music business is different from regular business is that something you can answer um uh, yes uh at least i'll i'll, I'll attempt to 
I'll paraphrase uh, the purchasing manager at CBS television in New York many years ago. So no one will be able to figure out who it is. <laughs> uh, we had been after this guy for a long time and finally got a meeting. At the conclusion of our, our meeting, he said, you know, I really believe that you guys are like a like a bunch of religious fanatics. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I think his, his point was passion. And, you know, all good salespeople have passion for their product, no matter what the product is. Sure. But, you know, the equipment side of the music uh, business, uh, certainly in sort of SSL's area, is pretty darn small. And, you know, plus or minus one important sale is a big deal. Now, if you're selling a box for, you know, $99, plus or minus one doesn't make a big deal. Plus or minus one, you know, distribution um, you know, partner is a big deal. Sure. So, so, you know, yes, definitely a, a, a lot of passion. I think, you know, to broaden it to the entertainment industry, there has been a bad rap of sort of abusive interns mm -hmm. of, you know, 80 hour weeks and no, and, and no pay and, uh, Terrible, yeah. terrible abuse, and that's fortunately uh, the Department of Labor is you know taking steps to to control that now. But I, you know, I have a presentation I I, I do to to students about how yeah. to get a job, and, and and one of my pieces of advice there is that uh, you know if you get an internship with a company that 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 values your contribution, great, get in there, work hard. And then just when you stop learning, leave, because there's a very good chance they're not going to hire you. Now, some tiny percentage do get hired. But if you could get a free supplemental education through an internship, great. But, you know, 80 hour weeks back to back to back, just don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. I experienced that myself coming out of college, you know, the... Oh. Uh, you know, day night shifts, sleeping on the couch, you know, really not being paid. Um, it was great experience and I burned out and it ended. And I know I'm not alone, obviously. Your mentor speech to students, you know, that you mentioned uh, can be found online. You know, and I did, I have watched a version of that and is excellent information literally in every phrase you say. It's, it's very compact, at least the one I saw. Uh, it's very generous, Brian. I, I'm not quite sure which one that would be. I, I've had cameras yeah. pointed at me before, and I'm not always sure where the, where the end product resides. That was part one of my conversation with Piers Plaskett, former CEO of Solid State Logic. And in part two of our podcast conversation, we talk about his work mentoring students, which includes his famous blue duck philosophy. And we'll also find out why he wanted to run a classic American diner. So until then, this is Brian Brodeur on the East Main Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a good rating. And until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy. <laughs>